Blog Talk Radio. The following broadcast is brought to you by the iGolf Sports Network. Golf Talk Live is sponsored by the iGolf Sports Network and Golf Tips Magazine. Here's Andrew to tell you more about our sponsors. iGolf Sports is a live stream broadcast and media production company providing quality programming designed to attract the golfing enthusiast. And Golf Tips, the game's most in-depth instruction magazine, including reviews on the latest equipment, tips from top teaching professionals, all designed to help you improve from tee to green. Welcome to Golf Talk Live with your host, Ted Odorico. Join Ted each week as he speaks with some of the best in golf. This week's special guest will join us a bit later. But first up is another great discussion on Coach's Corner. So let's introduce tonight's Coach's Corner panel. All right, good evening, everybody, and once again, welcome to Golf Talk Live. I'm your host, Ted Rico, and we've got a great show for you tonight. Uh, we're going to be starting things off here, as, as we always do, with a, a great discussion here on the Coach's Corner panel. And then a little bit later on, I'm going to be joined by my very special guest, the founder of Golf Forever, uh, Dr. Jeremy James. He'll be joining me uh, in about an hour's time, so I'm looking forward to having a, a great discussion with him. And uh, here we are, the 2nd of June. It's hard to believe we're, we're already rocking and rolling into the... Uh, the first month of summer. Uh, it's not officially summer yet, um, but we're getting pretty close, and uh, the weather certainly is telling us otherwise. But anyways, we've got a great show. Thanks for tuning in. And for those of you that uh, are listening live right now, obviously you found me, and uh, you can also go and listen to the recorded version if there's any time that there's a program that you really enjoy that you want to maybe hear parts of it again. Uh, just go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash live and just scroll down to the on-demand section, and you can pick out any show, uh, including tonight's, uh, and listen to it its entirety uh, with the recorded version. So you can always do that whenever it's convenient for you. So, um, again, thanks for tuning in live. And I'm going to introduce the, the Coach's Corner panel, and we're going to get into tonight's discussion. I think it's going to be a good one. Uh, first up, of course, is James Kyle. He's a PGA professional and coach at the East Woodlands Lake uh, Country Club. Uh, Thirty years ago, he began his journey as a professional golfer and coach. Uh, the incredible experiences James has had while improving his own swing, fitness, training, uh, traveling, and competing on many tours and two PGA Tour qualifying schools elevated his ability to provide incredible lessons for his clients. Uh, also on the panel is Pete Buchanan. He's uh, been teaching golf for now uh, for 30-plus years. He's the founder and director of instruction of Plain Simple Golf LLC, which, of course, houses the Plain Simple Golf Circuit and the swing, uh, Simple Swing Repeater Training Brace. Uh, and he's been helping golfers focus on building a repeatable swing. So, guys, uh, Pete and James, uh, welcome to Coach's Corner here on Golf Talk Live. Thank you, Ted. Thanks. Yeah, thanks, Ted. Good to be here. All right, appreciate it. And uh, as always, um, thank you for uh, giving of your time. I know it's not always easy. We've uh, I've noticed a couple times this year we've uh, had a few that. Uh, uh, either weren't able to make it or uh, were a little bit late to the to the dance floor, as they say. Um, but no uh, no hard feelings. Obviously, I know it's difficult sometimes getting home from the uh, from the course and from teaching lessons. So I really appreciate uh, everybody for uh, taking time and and uh, spending it here with the audience. All right, we're going to talk about um, really becoming a good uh, golf player, um, and this is different from just being. You know, a, a weekend warrior just out kind of having fun with your with your buds and whatnot. Um, there's a lot of people that really want to be a better player. 
Uh, we're going to talk about that. And I think one of the things, and I'm going to start with uh, James tonight, I think I'm going to start with you, James, and then Pete, I'll bring you in on uh, the conversation as well. Um, so the question really is, so you want to become a player. And what I mean by that is you don't want to be just somebody out there that's hitting golf balls and sort of mealing uh, your way around the golf course. Um, you want to be a better player. You want to really uh, you know, dig in and, and score better uh, and, and shoot some low, some low numbers. And there's a number of things we're going to talk about tonight that really are going to help you do that. Um, but I think first and foremost, and I want to get your thoughts on this, James, uh, your game needs to be built around ball striking. You've got to be a good ball striker, and, and uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that you need to have tremendous length, but you definitely need to be hitting uh, the ball well enough that you're going to hit a lot of greens in regulation during your rounds. And uh, otherwise, if you happen to miss them, then you better be getting up and down for par most of the time as well. What are your thoughts here? Uh, do, do you agree with this that really, uh, and again, I'm not saying you have to be the best in the world, but you've got to be a good, consistent ball striker, and you've got to be accurate um, to be a better quality player. What are your thoughts, James? Yeah, so for sure, you know, the golfers that I see day in and day out, uh, you know, I see that players are missing a standard routine, you know, a pre-shot routine, and, mm -hmm. you know, they're out on the golf course, uh, and they really just – they haven't learned to kind of see what they need to do from the tee shot all the way to the green. And, you know, whether the hole is straight away, whether it has water, um, they really, you know, in order to score better, you've got to have some kind of a strategy. And the strategy is really shot to shot. You know, not, it's not the whole golf course, right? You have to uh, mm -hmm. have some kind of a strategy and a plan. Uh, not every hole needs a driver off the tee. You know, where, where are your strengths uh, off the tee box and where are your strengths? You know, which iron do you hit the best to the green? Is there one iron that you're, you're the most accurate with? And is that iron, you know, a pitching wedge is a, is a seven iron? And when you're teeing off, you know, to, to have a better score, you know, obviously we need no, no penalties. Uh, but for me, players need a routine, and it needs to be, as consistent as possible all the way to rolling the ball with the putter. Uh, something that's the same, the same amount of time. Uh, you know, if you take 10, sec 10 seconds to line up your shot, you know, it should be taking you 10 seconds all the time. Um, mm -hmm. And for me, you know, that's, that's kind of where, from a scoring point of view, I'm always watching my players and trying to develop a routine that is consistent. Uh, even their pace of play, you know, how quickly they walk to the ball, you know, and see your trying to maintain a, you know, your heart rate's not getting up too high because you're trying to go too fast. That's what, those are the yeah, kind of you, things I start with my players. Yeah, and, and you, you're right. You want to have sort of a cadence to your walk. You don't want to be rushing one minute, and the next minute you're kind of slowing down um, and, and jumping back and forth. And I, I think of two examples. You know, you're either a player like a Nick Price who, um, you know, is a quicker pace player and that's, that works for him. Uh, or you're maybe somebody like a, a Freddie Couples or an Ernie Els that's a little bit slower, uh, more methodical, particularly Ernie Els, um, but you can't mix the two. Um, you're either one or the other or somewhere in between. Uh, so you're, you're exactly right. You, you've got to develop a routine. Pete, I want to get you on here. You know, skills are one thing, um, and, and you're certainly welcome uh, to, to add to, uh, to what uh, James was talking about 
um, my first point was really about being um, a good ball striker and, and so forth. But um, as I said, skills are, are one thing. Belief is another. Uh, and it should go without saying that you need to be a very uh, need to be very skilled in all parts of the game to become a, a good player. But I think there's one main difference that you'll notice, and that is players have a deep belief in their abilities. In other words, they've they've gotten to a layer, and I'm talking about good players. Now, I'm not talking just regular average players. I'm talking about really good players, and not necessarily uh, tour players, but just good players out there in general. They have a, a deep belief in their abilities. Go ahead, and if you want to add some some thoughts on my original point, and then uh, about being and, and being confident in your abilities. Go ahead. Well, I think it boils down to you know a lot about what James said about having a routine, but also you've got to practice to get control over that golf ball. Um, you know, really, really good players are really confident because they can control the ball very well. And if you can't control the ball, then it's hard to have confidence in what you're doing if you don't really understand where it's going to go. So when you actually look at, at how really good players actually practice, it's completely different than the masses practice. I mean, I spent some time uh, just a couple weeks ago with one of the PGA Tour players, and, and the second day I was with him working on his game, he took me through his complete practice routine. And, and the, the amount of detail and time and precision and setup and everything that went into that little practice routine, I don't see any of my amateurs doing that. And so, right. you know, it's really about the precision practice getting control over the golf ball, being able to hit shots when you need to hit them. And I think that then goes into what you're talking about with the confidence that they have out there. Yeah, they're very confident because they know they can hit those shots. And, you know, you don't see, you know, tournament players especially hitting shots on the course that they haven't practiced. And they're not going to do that. There's too much at stake with those guys. You know, if they get into a situation where they have to get out, they just get out if they haven't practiced some kind of shot. But, you know, they practice a lot of different situations, even from just, you know, hitting some simple pitch shots where you have, you know, 30 yards and you've got a 56-degree wedge and you're going to hit three balls and you're going to give yourself, you know, a total of 10 feet away from the hole for all three. You know, I don't see any of my amateurs practicing like that. They're just hitting ball after ball and trying to run them up towards the hole. There's there's a little bit of consequence with every area that you're practicing and to put a little pressure just to make you a little bit better. But, you know, to me, I'm, I've always been a, a ball control guy. And so my first mm-hmm. thing is, you know, let's get control over the golf ball first get you some confidence in where you're hitting it. Now let's go out on the golf course and show you how to take those abilities and dissect the holes like James was talking about to say, hey, you don't need a driver on this hole. It doesn't do you any good. So let's look at the mm-hmm. holes individually and how they're set up, and let's get you to play this hole to the best of your ability based on the ability you actually have. So I think that's the, that's the way I always look at it. Yeah, well said. Um, and, and James, you know, we know as as uh, golf professionals, we know that this game is is difficult. Doesn't matter what level you are, it's difficult. Even for the best of the best, there's challenges that you're gonna uh, you're gonna make uh, probably many mistakes during your round. Uh, hopefully not too many. Um, but I think the difference between a really good player and sort of the rest of the pack is that they know how to recover from these mistakes. Um, so again, it's, it's very rare to see a golfer at a higher level. Uh, make two disastrous mistakes in a row. They might make one, maybe they hit it into the water, or maybe they've done uh, hit it out of bounds. They're not likely to repeat that. So I think t- I would like for you to maybe talk a little bit about that because there's really a mindset that comes into play here when somebody's going down that path where they're making mistakes. Give me a, a sort of a, an overview of a less skilled player 
and a better skilled player, what are they doing differently from one another? Yeah, that's a great question. So myself as a player, uh, all the times that I've ever hit a poor shot and ended up, you know, in the water, out of bounds, or what have you, uh, the first thing I'm saying to myself is, well, I can still make birdie. So, mm-hmm. you know, if it's a par four and I have hit a hook or something, I'm in the water, I'm taking a drop, I'm 133 yards to clear the bunker with another seven yards to the flag. In my mind, I'm saying I can still save par, even though I went in the water. Mm-hmm. I just have to hit a great mm-hmm. shot. One putt, in my mind, that's exactly what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that already leaving the tee box and as a player. And I would say, you know, the average player, when they've hit that shot in there the entire time, uh, as soon as they've hit it, they're already saying, well, what's wrong with my swing? Well, how did that, I must have come over the top. I must have done this or that. And, and so they never really have the mindset of, well, you know, I'm in the water. I can still make par. And, and so I see that, I see that a lot, uh, where they just, they haven't learned to already uh, be thinking about the near future that, you know what, I, I can still hit a pitching wedge up on the green and make par. This is no big deal. But so many times, you know, they are really, they're stuck in that moment of negative that they just experienced. And then, you know, that typically carries over it to the next hole, maybe even the next hole after that. Because now mm-hmm. they, all they're doing is thinking about their golf swing, and they, and which has, you know, the score is, is out of the picture. Right. Well, and, and what they're doing now is they're transitioning from a player to somebody that's becoming very analytical. Now they're not, they're not thinking about, okay, what do I need to do to score better on this next hole? They're thinking about swing mechanics. They're thinking about, well, I didn't hit a good shot off the tee, so uh, you know, my tee shot wasn't that great on, on hole number 13, so I'm here, I've got another chance at hole number 14. Instead of thinking about the shot, what I've got to do, they're thinking about mechanics. Well, what, what did I do wrong? In the, so now they're, getting, they're breaking down their, their uh, swing as opposed to focusing on continuing and playing. Now, those are things they can work on later on when they get off the, the, the course and maybe they want to uh, go on and re-evaluate re, um, some of the mistakes they've made on the golf course. But what most amateur golfers doing is they're now breaking that down on the, uh, on the golf course. So, um, Pete, here's what I, I want to ask you is how do you get to this level? So one of the things that, that we're going to talk about uh, real quick is people probably wonder, how do I get to that level? And it's not something that it can be taught or learned overnight. Uh, it's a belief that has to be sort of earned over time. And I'm talking about, obviously, the um, ability to, uh, you know, to be able to build that confidence. So there's a couple of things that really you need to do to be a better player in order to get to this level. And that is, number one, you have to practice effectively. You've got to play a lot. Uh, you've got to be willing to fail. But you, more importantly, you learn from those mistakes, adjust, all at the same time, staying positive. Let's see if you can wrap those points together and help some of our golfers listening. That's for Pete, sorry. Yeah, that's, um, that's, a, that's a good wrap there. I like that. You, um, you sort of wrapped it up a lot. No, I, you know, and, and you're, you're absolutely right. You've you got to be positive in what you're doing. But also, too, I mean, to me, to, to, to really get um, 
to, to a really, really low level, you've got to understand your game inside and out. You've got to understand your abilities, what you can do, what you can't do. You have to understand where your strengths are. Um, you need to build on your weaknesses. You have to play to your strengths when you're on the golf course. Um, and in certain times, you avoid your weaknesses. Um, you know, for example, if, if you're struggling with, you know, 30, 40, 50-yard pitch shots and your second shot in the far five is going to leave you, you know, 40 yards away, then don't hit it there. Hit it to where you're 100 yards away. So you have a, you know, now you're playing to a strength of a club that you're better at. Or what are your best clubs into the green? Drive it off the tee so you're hitting your best, your best shots into the green. So if you can, you can understand your game to its fullest and understand where you are, um, you know, where, where you're, you're at your best, I think that's going to create so much more positive attitude when you're out on the golf course and, and sort of push the negative out of the way. But I still think, you know, I'm always going to go boil down to, you know, I'll, I'll give a lot of my players that really want to get to a low level, I'll give them like, you know, a, a, a six iron and I'll put two sticks out in front of them about 10 yards and I'll put the sticks a foot apart and I said, all right, I want you to hit balls between those two sticks. And I only want them to go about 40 yards, but I want you to be able to hit them between there. And they always look at me like, what's this for? I said, you've got to be able to control the ball. I mean, if you can't control it with a, a six iron at 40 yards, then, you know, what are we going to do with the rest of it? So we've got to learn how mm-hmm. to control the face, where the face is. Every tournament player knows where that club face is, and they know how to control it. Whether they understand the dynamics and, and the, you know, the, the biomechanics and all that stuff, what have you, they know how to control the golf ball. That's why they're out there. So we've got to give them those same opportunities. You know, I, I'm sure you did it, Ted. I'm sure, James, you did it when mm-hmm. you were younger. You know, you're down on the range as a kid, and, you know, there's some targets out there. And you're going to hit a, a thousand balls until you hit the target. I mean, it's kind of fun to hit the target. Mm-hmm. You know, we used to have these yep. big ball markers that were like big giant balls on the tee. And we'd start off with a nine iron, and we'd go until we hit it with a nine, then an eight, then a seven, then a six. So we're learning ball control, you know, at an early age. And it all boils down to what you're talking about, practice. You've got to be out there. You've got to be out there, hit the shots, practice the shots. Do the right things in your practice that are going to make you better. And that, I think, is going to help you overall into what you were talking about by, you know, being more positive, you know, practicing the right way, you know, and, and getting the best out of your game when you're out there. I, I think that's, that's kind of the way that I would, I would go about the whole thing. Yeah, well said. Uh, and, 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 James, you know, I want to I want to just read something real quick, and then I, I've got a question for you. Uh, you know, according to the USGA, less than two percent of golfers have a handicap of zero or lower, and the, obviously the main reason is it's a difficult game, uh, as I mentioned earlier, and it takes a great deal of time to be able to accomplish uh, a goal of getting your handicap down that low. And for most folks out there um, that we're going to deal with on a day-to-day basis, it's a pretty lofty goal, uh, but it's okay and. Some might make an argument and say, well, the higher handicappers, uh, players uh, maybe enjoy the game more, and maybe they do because they're not as uh, diligently focusing as, as hard as, it, as needed in order to become a bit better player. Um, but even the high handicappers can become better players. Now, they may not shoot, uh, may not be a zero handicap or, or what have you, but they can still become a good player uh, and work their way down um, and you talked earlier about having a good routine and, and having a consistent routine uh, out in the golf course. Um, but I think it also is a routine of practice, as Pete touched about. Maybe you could talk a little bit about what the handicap, the higher handicap uh, golfers can do in preparation before they even get to the round that is going to give them the best chance possible 
to play well out there? What, what do they need to do? I mean, it's not just a matter of raking golf balls and hitting them. Put me together a plan. If you had a, a 20 handicap standing in front of you, what are you going to say to them to say, I want you to go out and play your best this afternoon when you go out and tee it up. Here's what I want you to work on for the next hour. So that warm-up routine is going to be 45 minutes of short game. And if they had the means to do it, you know, they would probably 15 minutes of putting with the majority of the putts at the beginning would be long putts, 30 to, say, 45 feet, and getting those lag putts very close to the hole. Then, uh, you know, five, ten minutes of three to six footers, which is just about what everyone has on that next putt, or even after missing the green when they chip it to the hole, you know, they're more likely to be three to ten feet away. And uh, so there's going to be a lot of short game practice, wedges especially, uh, 30 yards, 20 yards, up to 50 yards, because when we miss the green and you're that handicapped, you're probably only hitting, say, three greens around. I'll take a tiny little guess there, but that's about right. And so Mm -hmm. everything is a short game. And, yeah, I mean, uh, getting ready, if you're going to slowly bring that 20 handicapper down to a 15, it's because he – or she was way more effective getting the ball on the green on the first try once they've missed the green. And they are now making, you know, one putt or two putts. And really, you know, besides, you know, warming up the long swing, you know, uh, up to the driver. But boy, oh boy, if you're going to be shooting lower scores and getting yourself from shooting the low 90s and getting yourself down to the mid 80s it is really all short game getting ready for that Mm -hmm. round of golf and uh, getting the feel for the grass you know especially if you're playing different golf courses where the greens some are fast some are slower and you just have to get ready for all that and and of course within that short game work you should be hitting you know i mean at least a dozen or so you should be hitting a lot of bunker shots because you know how many players even at my place whenever I go over to my short game area and it's 10 a.m. and nobody has been in the bunker yet, but we have two golf courses <laughs> full of people, right? Not right. A, I mean, it, no, I mean, it's, it's still raked from the sand pro. <laughs> so, right. yeah, you know, bunker shots, right? I mean, all of those short shots around the green and, you know, lots of folks are terrified of the bunker to begin with. And then right. you know, if, if you're not that good in there, you, you have to go in the bunker. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, last time we were on a call together a couple of months back, I remember Pete, you know, mentioning, you know, how much, you know, focus he puts in on the short game, like from the green backwards. And, you know, when you get ready for your Mm -hmm. round, if if there's one thing that you're going to shoot five strokes lower, if your bunker game is, is ready and you have a feel for the sand and, you know, those shots 50 yards in and putting, 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 I mean, putting is everything. Uh, because if you one putt three or four more times a day, I mean, right there, there's your handicap coming down. Right. And I think, well said, uh, James, I think also I want to add to this too. I think something else, if I had somebody for an hour before they're going to play, um, and it doesn't have to be any special event, but just before they're going to go out and play and they want to actually play well, in addition to what you just said, I think I'd want to take five, maybe even ten minutes and I would, I would want to talk a little strategy with them and say, okay, you're going to go out in the golf course today. 
here's some things to be mindful of. And one of the things I think I would do, uh, you know, I'd certainly evaluate the course they're playing, and I would look at it and look at the hole by hole myself before I would have this conversation, and I would look at some areas that they can maybe take advantage of. For instance, if you've got a, a, an approach to a green, and let's say it's 185 yards, just for argument's sake, and but you've got some sort of a hazard or something that's running across, maybe it's a creek that's running across um, maybe 50 yards uh, before the green, most high handicappers, that's a daunting shot to be able to hit over that hazard. So what I would probably say to that person is I'd say, you know what, why not lay up to the hazard and then go in with a short iron? Yeah, you're going to take an extra stroke, but if you don't carry that hazard, you're now into it, and now you're playing another shot anyways. So right. I would want to talk to them a little. You see what I'm getting at? My point is, is I agree 100% with what you said. I think that you've got to focus on the short game. What most people don't, and Cindy and I have talked about this many times on, on uh, the other program, Women of Golf, that we do on Tuesdays. In fact, she even mentioned it this week. And that was she talked about, you know, you're only hitting your driver maybe 14 times at best. And yet, if you're shooting 100 and knock off 14, think of how many shots you're hitting not with your driver or putting or what have you. So you're exactly right. There's a lot of room. You, you might maybe hit 10 fairways, maybe 8, 9, whatever fairways, depending on, on your level of play. There's not really a lot of improvement um, to be done on that end. So the improvement comes, Pete, on the other end, as, as James just laid out, is from the green back to the tee. There's plenty of strokes that can be made up there. And one of the things that I think is a prerequisite for becoming a player is you need to be playing and practicing quite a bit because at this level you really need to be doing something golf-related I believe, almost every day. Now, that doesn't mean you have to drive to the golf course and you have to get out and hit balls. There's things, there's drills that you can be doing in your own home that could be five minutes a day, working on your grip, things like that. Maybe you could give us some examples of things that golfers can do that's not time-consuming if they don't have a lot of time to get out to the golf course and either play or practice every week. There's things they can do. Maybe you could give us some examples of things that you've had your students do um, whether at home or under some other condition, other than at the golf course. Well, you know, James hit it on the at the very beginning. We was talking about pre-shot routines. You can work on your pre-shot routine at home. Just mm -hmm. start to finish. Grab the club. You know, you can put a ball down. You can you can you know, pick out a target, and you can work on you know getting yourself with a grip, setting the club down like you should set it down, standing in there, getting your posture set. I mean, those things can be done anywhere. And so, you know, from home, that, that's an easy one to do, uh, just to work at, at making that pre-shot routine set up and, and make it work. I also like to have them – I have a particular way that I like to teach pitching, and it's, a, it's, it's about a chest-high um, swing length. And so there's plenty of room to – you know, if, if you're in the backyard, on the back deck, on the patio, I have them take these little practice swings with, a, with a, one of their wedges just to work on making a simple motion. So you can do something like that as well. And even to where just, you know, standing out in the yard, um, pick up a, a, a long iron or pick up a, a three-wood, um, set up into your address position, and then hold it about two feet in the air and just swing it around you. And just swing it. 
to swing it, mm-hmm. you know, just get used to moving back and forth and making the club swing and, and feeling how the arms rotate and how the club moves and how the arms and the shoulders and the body start to work and, and start to get together and, and even just swing it back and forth. Don't even stop it. Swing it forward, swing it back, swing it forward, swing it back. You know, just some things that can give you some rhythm, uh, some things that can help you in balance. Um, but I think, you know, there, there's, you know, even just sitting there watching TV and, and having a, a club in your hand and just working on putting your grip on there the right way, you know, mm-hmm. especially if we changed it. You know, I tell them that quite a bit. I so I make a grip change. I said, I want you to go home and while you're watching TV tonight, I want you to work on putting your hands on there as I just put them on there. And I want you to make sure you keep the face straight as you do it. Because a lot of times you'll change the grip and look down, you know, the face is at a right angle. So they're not paying attention mm-hmm. to how the club looks. They're just trying to get their grip right. and different. So, you know, those are the kinds of things at home you can practice. You know, another thing you can do that I think is really important, um, especially after a round, if you want to do something at home, go back through your round and write down everything that happened. And mm-hmm. start to see the areas of your game where it's gone sideways. I know you talked about, you know, the tee shots and all that. I have a scorecard that I built for my players that has 14 tee shots, 18 second shots, and that includes the par threes, three or, or four third shots, which is the par fives, and then 36 putts. So that's a total of 72. Mm-hmm. And then I said, okay, after your second shot on a par, on all the par fours and fives, or your third shots, and then your shots on your par threes. If you didn't hit the green in regulation, now there's a chipping, pitching, and bumper shots. I want you to start tracking how many of those you have along with your putts. Yep. And like you said, they'll come back. And I said, well, look at that. She had 14 tee balls, 18 second shots, four third shots, 28 putts. 28 putts, that's 66. What happened? You shot 104. Right. You know, so now they start looking. At, oh, well, I had, I had 11 chips and I, on the first three holes. I had all these, you know. So now they start looking at how they're pitching and chipping and all that stuff was really bad. And their putts are down because they finally got it on the green close enough with a chip that they could put it in there. So, you know, there's so many other areas that they just skip over. And, James, you, you nailed it. It's short game. And you can't score mm-hmm. unless you putt well, period. You can't. If you don't putt yeah, well, you're not going to score yeah. well. Yeah, you're yeah, exactly so you right. Do that. We've had, yeah, we've had a number of players, again, going back to – um, my discussions with, with Cindy on Tuesdays, we get a lot of the Epson Tour players that come on, um, uh, some of the winners and just some of the, the regular players. And almost every one of them will zero in on the short game, particularly putting, as an area that they have to diligently work on a lot. Um, most of them will tell you, if you say, what's the best part of your game? 90% of them will say, you know, I'm really good off the tee, I can drive the ball real well, good you know, nice and far, it's accurate. In fact, we just had a young lady this past week, uh, this past Tuesday, who, you know, drives long and straight, um, you know, virtually every time. But where she falters a little bit is in her putting. Um, it's a little sketchy. Sometimes it's something as simple as not reading the greens correctly or getting the speed correctly. And, you know, that can be the difference of two putts or three putts on a green. Um, and for our high handicappers, that's an area that they lose a lot of strokes. I bet you most of the high handicappers, you could easily whittle down 10 strokes just in putting alone, if not more. Um, so James, this goes to, I guess, really finding a balance. Um, 
you know, there's a lot of, one thing I wanted to add to what Pete was saying is, you know, there's a lot of training aids as well that you can take and, and work at home. You don't need to be at the golf course. There's training aids that you can do in front of a, a full-length mirror. You know, you can pick up a cheap mirror. Uh, if you don't have one at home, a full-length, I happen to have one. But, um, you know, you can get relatively uh, cheap, and you can just lay it up uh, against the wall uh, or mount it on the wall if you've got a spot to put it there and go through some of the positions. But, James, striking a balance, I think, between really effective practice and playing is key, but doing too much of, of either can also hinder your progress. So in other words, if you get too much practice in and you're not doing it properly, uh, in other words, you're practicing the wrong things or ineffective practice, that can be a hindrance as well. What are your thoughts? Yeah, it's very true. Uh, as, as we all know, you know, the players that we do uh, – get to do practicing right so many times mm-hmm. at the beginning where they don't do it effectively. You know, they, and, and I find that players, you know, they, they're going to sit there late. Let's say they start with their seven iron and they're hitting balls and they're lit- they literally hit 25, 30, 47 irons in a row. And those seven irons are always at like the same flag. So it never changes. It's nothing like being on the golf course where everything is changing. And so I see that's probably the number one error that I see uh, where they just hit too many uh, at one time. And then, and then there's a, an experience they go through, you know, let's say the first couple of shots they hit very well. Then all of a sudden they don't hit one very well, or maybe they it's offline. And so now they're saying to themselves, Oh, well, I, that one's to the right. And uh, and then suddenly the next swing, they are now aiming more left, and and they're mm-hmm. not using an alignment stick on the ground, which is really amazing. Like on my range, uh, I think we we have about 15 stalls, and you know when you look down the range when it's completely filled, there's only one or two alignment sticks on the ground, and those players are the ones that are the lower handicapped, and right. so players. Just you know, they're, they just, they don't do it the right way. You know, the easy things that you could do to help yourself be better and be more accurate. And of course, you know, when you, when you can't even line up and then you're sitting there and you're upset because one ball's left, one ball's right, one ball's thin, next one's heavy. Uh, so they, they just, they're in a rut. And when you really yeah. should only hit you know, a dozen of those and then move to your next club and you need to hit wedges. Uh, you know, that effective practice, right? And so mm-hmm. rarely does, you know, those types of players, they just don't do it the right way. And then, like I said, I see the most where they just hit way too many balls with the same club. And they literally right. are just, and, and they end up working themselves into hitting poor shots. And now they're, now they're working on the mechanics and going through, you know, like a, a dark hole. If you will, mm-hmm. and, right, and, right, and so they, you know, they're really just not getting better. They're just making themselves more upset. <laughs> well, well a you're right. I mean, that, you know? right, a, a better player um, will number one, they'll work with what they've got that day. They know that if hey, if they're, you know, uh, fading a little more than they'd like to, uh, they're not going to try before they go out and play around, especially at the pro level they're not going to start monkeying around with things like that. If, if they're hitting it and they're comfortable with, with where the ball's going and the flight, they'll take that to the course that day. And they can make minor That's adjustments um, in how they're playing. 
they don't toy with that before they're about ready to, especially when you've got, you know, $1.5 million on the line. You're not going out and you're not going to tink, tinker with that. And that's really obviously another difference between, you know, the everyday golfer and the, the better players is they know when to leave well enough alone. Now, having said that, at the end of that round, we see many of the players will then go back to the range if they are still having that issue uh, or have had that issue throughout their round. Sometimes it'll work itself out. Sometimes if it's a minor thing, uh, it might be a very simple correction and a self-adjustment, and uh, you know it, it never happened again. Um, but they'll still go back a lot of times and, and work any you know, other bugs that may have, have come their way. And, and Pete, this goes into a, another area too, which we kind of touched on a little bit, but this is a, a big one. Uh, tempers and negativity should have no part of your game if you want to be a good player. Um, you've got to remain positive even when the chips are down. And more importantly, you've got to be willing to keep your emotions at bay. I believe that's critical. Because once you get into that negative mindset, as James was just sort of alluding to, and that's why I'm coming to you now, Pete, with this, is you're done. You know, a bad hole, bad, you know, couple of shots, whatever the case is, if you let that fester and keep building, you might as well go back to the clubhouse and have a beer early because you're going to just ruin the rest of your round because you're allowing, you're carrying that baggage with you hole to hole. What are your thoughts? Oh, you're absolutely right. You know, I, I think I was I was talking to a psychologist one day, and I, I think the, the ratio was like four or five to one positive thoughts to eliminate one negative. So it shows you how powerful the negative thoughts are. Um, but, you know, I was, you know, I had this conversation with the player last night and, you know, he's getting a little upset while we were just working on the swing. And I said, you know what, let, let me just give you something about frustration. I said, you ought to have all the knowledge I have and miss hit shots. That's frustration. <laughs> I said, you don't, you don't have enough knowledge to be frustrated. So there's no reason right. for you to be frustrated with what we're working on because you, you've not done this. I said, you're a surgeon. And so I said, you know, I, I said, what are you doing next Tuesday? He says, I got open heart surgery. I said, ah, I got it. Take the day off. I'll go take care of it. I said, just talk me through it. I, I think I can take care of that. You know, he just started laughing. Right. Said, I get your point. I said, yeah, you just haven't spent so enough true. time. And, and most right. of our players haven't spent enough time to be able to understand not only what's necessary, but to understand what they need to do to make it happen. So, you know, in, in that limelight, you know, understand that there's some diffi difficulty to it. I mean, if you're standing on the range practice and you hit a good, solid, straight shot, I mean, pat yourself on the back. You know, that's hard to do, you know, and mm -hmm. then to repeat it, then you do it a second time. You know, I was my, my dad was always funny with the line. He always said golf is just a bunch of ones in a row, which I think is kind of funny because you don't want two in a row because <laughs> that means you hit a drive out of bounds, you got to hit it again. But he said the hardest mm -hmm. part about three in a row is the first two, which I think is kind of funny. So, you I mean, you've got to get those first right. two before you get the third one. So you have to keep working. Right. You know, so – but I think the frustration level comes in. You know, none of us like hitting bad shots. I mean, you know, it's just – it's no fun. But I think you can get over that frustration. You know, ask your professional, the, the, whoever you're taking lessons from, and James, I know you've done this because you and I have had tons of conversations about this. Ask them, ask them why. Why am I hitting what I'm hitting? And if they can't answer it, I always tell them, go find somebody who can. Because yep. you need to know that. You need to understand cause and effect. Because once you understand that, your attitude towards what's going on changes immensely because now you know how to go about changing it. So now you're working mm -hmm. towards correct instead of fighting it incorrect. And that's, that's a milestone there. 
So if you can get your players working towards correct, that creates a positive atmosphere. Now they're going to be more positive when they're playing. They can change it while they're playing. And I think that takes them over that hump you're talking about and puts them in a more positive way on the golf course all the way around. You know, I, I always lay out with, with uh, players, you know, the old uh, the definition of insanity um, because I think that's a really good one is, you know, doing the same thing time and time again but expecting a different result. And, you know, I'll ask somebody, I'll say, well, why are you doing this? You keep repeating the same mistake. Yeah, but I hit a good shot. And I said, but out of 10 shots, you hit one good one. And they said, yeah, but if I keep doing it, I'm going to hit, you know, maybe nine or eight or whatever. And I said, no. I said, the reason you hit that one good, good shot is because you did things right. The other nine times you did something wrong. We need to find out what it is that you're doing wrong because it's not consistent. It's not a fluke. I mean, there's no fluke in hitting a good golf shot. When you hit a good golf shot, it's because the sequencing is correct. The grip is right. The, the, the club face is striking the ball correctly. That's why it's going down the center of the fairway. That's why it's a straight shot or it's, uh, maybe you know a slight fade, whatever. It's a good golf shot. You're doing something right. There's a sequence that happens. When you're doing something wrong, something is out of sequence. So we need to isolate that and find out why and get you to repeat the good swing 90% of the time as opposed to 10% of the time. And they'll keep doing this thing. And that's why, going back to what I said about the insanity uh, ploy, is, is that they'll keep doing the same things but expecting a diff- different result because they think that one time it worked. So if I just keep doing this, maybe it'll, it'll, it'll pan out. But what they're not factoring in is that that one time, yeah, they did do something right, but they're not looking to see what it was. They're not isolating that good shot. They're focusing on the nine bad shots and trying to see what they can do to change it. And you can't change a bad shot. It's already happened. You can only focus on the good shots. Um, James, I want to come back to you on this one as we get ready to, to sort of wrap things up here. And, and most better players are very good course managers, as I alluded to earlier. They don't take unnecessary risks. Uh, they manage their game on the course through a number of factors, uh, smart club selections, and they choose targets that give them the best opportunity to score but limit big mistakes. Walk us through in your estimation, based on your experiences, how to be a good course manager, how to work yourself around a golf course, what to look for, what to avoid, what to be thinking about. And it doesn't matter what level of player because everybody's going to be different, but in your estimation, when you're working with somebody and you're helping them with that course management, what is it you're trying to convey to them to help them be a better course manager? So... I always ask my players, you know, if I could give an example, like in my course, the first hole of the par five and off the tee box, there's a bunker out there that they put there on purpose so that players would either go into it or they would aim away from it and avoid it. But I always ask my players, you know, what would be a good score for you on this hole, regardless of their handicap? You know, just what what do you want to, what would be a good score that you'd be happy with? You know, Mm -hmm. sometimes I hear especially from the ladies, you know, where they would be happy with a seven, which is like a double bogey, par five. Right. And uh, and some say birdie, some, you know, they, I get different answers, right? But, uh, mm-hmm. and I say to them, I say, well, you know, if you're if you're happy with a six, here, a six here, but the scorecards that we look at, you know, you, you typically make seven, eight, or nine. You know, I say, well, think about it. You know, you have, this hole's, you know, 500 yards long, and, you, and you're saying that you're willing to take six shots. 
So I say, okay, well, you know, how many, what could you hit off the tee? You know, you could hit five iron off the tee. You could hit seven iron off the tee. I mean, a par five divided in three from 500 yards, mm-hmm. and you basically have a 165 yards a shot. You could hit that club three times and be on the green putting for birdie. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I'm always thinking about uh, – I, I find it's interesting the average golfer, whenever they look off of the tee box, they're always looking to see where the trouble is. And they are aiming very, very far away from the trouble and trouble, even a bunker. And so they, they typically are aiming into the woods or into some other type of condition uh, and may make a bad swing just from being aligned wrong. Mm-hmm. But I'm always trying to help them say, listen, you know, if you – if, if you're worried about going here, you know, why can't you just hit a hybrid off the tee and then hit the hybrid again, hit it a couple of times. And all of a sudden now you're right by the green and yep. you said you're, you know, a six is acceptable, but now you're actually can make a five. And so mm-hmm. when it comes to that strategy, uh, the majority of golfers, you know, just take the driver and they're yep. like, well, I can, I can hit down there. And I'm like, okay, go ahead. But out of 10 rounds of golf, that driver is in play three or four times and it's in the woods the other you know five six times right (laughs) easily right (laughs) right and so there's you know and and how do you at the end of the day to get those scores down you know how are you going to eliminate every penalty right Mm, that is really the key because all of those golfers that have higher handicaps they are losing you know a sleeve of balls a day and they have a lot of penalties they have five to ten penalties a day and so that, that's kind of whenever I'm walking my players through, I'm like, all right, well, how are we going to not have a single penalty? And uh, how are you not going to lose your original golf ball? Exactly. And, you know, just to, to go back to the example you gave with a six, I mean, your players now beside the green in two shots by changing the club selection. Now they've got four shots to, in order to get that six. They've got four shots to get it in the hole from just off the green. So if they right. work on their chipping or short pitch shots or what have you, if they really become stellar there, like you said, their their likelihood of getting that six is is greatly increased, and they might get a five, or That's they might right. be lucky and like Colin Montgomery did in the Senior PGA Championship this past weekend, might hole out a couple of times. And, um, you know, so there's a lot of things that, that, that can happen. Um, Pete, I think a, another area that I think we're, we're going to wrap up here, but I want you to finish off on, because this is, I think, really is what's going to make the difference uh, between becoming a, a really good player uh, and not such a good player. And this is one area that I guarantee if you were to pull 90% of the players out there uh, that we're working with on, uh, you know, day-to-day would not be able to give you a, a competent uh, or confident answer. And that is how far they hit each club. Walk us through this. Why is that important, number one? And then what can they do um, to better get those numbers together? There's lots of options. I know that they're out there. But what should they be doing uh, to get those numbers so that when they walk out in the golf course, they can confidently select the right club that they need at any given shot because they know their numbers. Walk us through it. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, 
first and foremost, you know, every range has flags out there. You know, most everybody has a range finder now. They can pinpoint something or some kind of target out there. Um, launch monitors, even the mini ones are getting a little cheaper, which can give them, you know, club speed, ball speed, carry distance, and things like that. So they can start working with some of those. Or if the club has one, they can borrow it. Um, but, yeah, you, you've got to start hitting shots and understanding how far they go um, and, and the real distances that they go. You know, it's it's not mm-hmm. the situation where you, you know, three years ago with the downwind, I hit a six iron on this part of three, so I'm going to hit six iron every now, every time since. But, you know, you've got to understand, right. you know, what your clubs do, um, not only from the, the, the long clubs, but you also have to understand what your wedges do. You have to spend time controlling the distances that you fly the ball with your wedges. And that's from 100 yards mm-hmm. back to the green. And so you've yep. got to practice. You've got to repeat. You've got to keep doing it. You've got to use, you know, whether you're using a range finder or whether you're using where they're landing or um, whether you're using a, a ball monitor, you know, because um, the tour guys know it. I mean, I, I ran through a series with, with this one particular tour player, and I'd say, all right, back left pin, 189 yards. We had the loss monitor out there, and sure enough, he hits at 189. I said, all right, 144, he hits at 144. Um, 128, it's at 128. So, I mean, you know, they know their yardages and, and you know, these these amateurs, that's not a hard thing to do to, to understand how far your golf balls go. Now, granted, you've got to make contact, obviously. You know, if, you're not, if the contact's not very good, then you're not going to get a true value of what's going on. But they also have to understand that day to day that's going to change. You know, because, you know, I felt pretty good today hitting balls, but yesterday I didn't feel very good at all. See, I didn't hit them as far yesterday as I did today. But I knew that, so that's okay. I just adjust when I'm out on the golf course. But you've got to get a baseline, and then from that baseline, you can adjust as necessary. But, you know, hit to some flags. Uh, you know, if you don't have a range finder, you know, I'm sure somebody on the on the range knows how far the pins are. You know, start practicing that way. If somebody has a, a launch monitor you can use, I, I'd highly recommend that because it can give you those carry distances. You know, there's several ways you can go about learning, you know, what those distances are and controlling that golf ball. And then I think to your point you were talking about before, you know, James with that par five, if they understand the distances that they go and they can split that par five into thirds, I think they're going to find themselves scoring a heck of a lot better, understanding that, you know, you don't have to bomb it out there off the tee to try to figure out how to conquer a par five. Because, you know, as you said, most of the times they'll hit it out of play. So I, I think right. you know, there's, there's – yeah, go ahead. No, please finish your thought. No, I mean, I still thought, so there's there's all kinds of ways where they can go out and, and get those yardages, but don't neglect the short game yardages. You need to understand those too. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, that's why I say I, I think the better players, you know, as, as, you know, James was pointing out, you know, at his club, you know, he looks down, he sees maybe two guys with uh, alignment sticks, and they're the low handicap players. And they're doing that because they know that those particular aids are giving them valuable information they need. And it's the same thing with knowing your distances. When you know the distances that you're hitting each club, an actual distance, not just, you know, as you said, a, a stiff wind comes up behind you and you get an extra, you know, 10 or 15-yard carry, um, but the next time you come out, the wind's down your face and you're losing that 10 or 15 yards, uh, you know, that's that's not a, an accurate uh, assessment of, of the distance. So you want to get in ideal uh, conditions, you want to know how far you hit each club, how far you carry each club. And, yeah, maybe in some instances you're going to get a, a favorable roll. Others you may not. It may just stick or plug uh, depending if it's rained or if the, if the you know, course is wet. 
And then you also, what I like to do sometimes, and it's depending on how the range is set up, some ranges kind of have a little bit of an oval shape to them where they go around. I'll even go in and find a spot where I've got a little bit of wind in my face so that I can get an idea of what the, the wind that particular day is going to do. If I'm hitting into the wind, how strong of a wind is it? I'm going to get a better assessment of how that wind is going to affect my ball, golf ball that particular day. And conversely, if I swing around the other side and maybe now the, the wind is, is in a different position and it's more coming from one side or the other, um, that's valuable information as well. And so there's a lot of things that you can do in a practice session or a warm-up session to give yourself information. And if you want to become a better player, and I think you both would agree with this, is it's really, it's number one, certainly you, you've got to develop the skill of hitting good golf shots and hitting it consistent. But it's also when you gather the right information to make an informed decision. If you go and buy a car, you're not just, you know, flipping, oh, I'm going to go and buy that. You're doing your homework. You're finding out, okay, what, is it, what are the benefits of this particular vehicle? What is it I'm looking for? And obviously the looks uh, are, are going to be a big factor, but you're also looking at the performance and you're looking at what, what value you're going to get because you're about to make a big purchase. Same thing with your house. You're doing the same thing. There's certain things that you're looking for. Well, in your golf game, uh, again, it's the same thing. You're gathering information and you're compiling that information and you're making an informed decision. And sometimes it may or may not work out, but that's okay. You've still made an informed decision. Now you can assess the, the, either the positive or the negative out of it. And if it's something negative, then you f will focus on that after your round. But the idea is you want to gather that information uh, as much as possible and make an informed decision. And to go to your point that you made right from the get-go, James, and that is your pre-shot routine. Getting into a consistent pre-shot routine. I, I was at Pinehurst a few weeks ago uh, for a short trip, and one of the things that I noticed um, with a lot of folks out there was they did not have a good pre-shot routine. Um, even in their practice sessions, most of them didn't even go through a routine. Most of them just sat there, raked, and hit balls. So there's a lot of things to be considered, and I think, um, I think we covered a lot of them. What do you think, guys? Good show. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, they could get a lot out of this one for sure. Well, I want to thank both of you for uh, once again stepping up and, and uh, sharing your, your expertise and your knowledge with, with the listeners. And I think, you know, as I said in the beginning, you know, if, if you're coming a little bit later, maybe you didn't catch it all, you can go and, and uh, to the link blogtalkradio.com uh, forward slash golf talk live at the end of the show, and you can listen to uh, this past segment that just passed now. Um, on the recorded version, you can listen to its entirety and, and maybe pick up some of the points that you might have missed. But, you know, I, I think it's important to really think about, and I'm going to give each of you to, to maybe give a closing thought, and then at the same time when you're done that, um, let the folks know how they can best reach out to you if they want to. But um, I'm going to go in a different order. Uh, Pete, I'm going to start with you. But any closing thoughts on what we talked about tonight, just sort of as a wrap-up, and then, James, I'll let you do the same. And then, as I said, don't forget to let the folks know if they want to reach out, the best way to do that. Well, I think more than anything else, it's, you know, get yourself a pre-shot routine. It doesn't matter what it is. Develop some consistency in how you put yourself in the position to hit a golf ball. And then, you know, work your practice time so that you can get more control over the ball. You know, I think that's not necessarily hitting full swings all the time either. You know, work some half shots, work some slower swings, get to where you can control and hit some contact and control the ball, and then work yourself back up to it. 
and you know stay on a stay on a positive note and, and you know try to gather as much knowledge as you can. Um, there's a there's a lot of great coaches out there that that have a lot of great knowledge and and you know you can you, you can even find them on some of these different social media channels just to get a little bit of insight. But I think you know do your homework like you said. Um, if you're going to take it mm-hmm. to, to taking a swing, do your homework, research it, you know, and, and get to where you can understand what you're trying to do. And I, I think that'll that'll really take you a long way. And you know, most definitely, don't avoid the short game. You have to have a short game, or you just can't score. There's just no ifs and ands or buts about it. All of those good players have good short games. There's a reason mm-hmm. why they score because they can all do it. So you know, don't neglect the short shots either. But if they need to go get a hold of me, they can go to peakycannonsoff.com. All my contact information is in there. And um, as I always say, you know, contact me. Let's start a conversation. And, and just like I was talking about, let's talk about where your game is and, and what the things we can do to, to, to up your knowledge and make it a little bit more fun for you and, and play better golf. That's right. Well said. Knowledge is power. Uh, James? Yes. Yes, uh, I ditto what Pete just said, uh, routine, and, and I would love to see everyone uh, taking a lot more time on the range, and what that means is, is you shouldn't be hitting more than like two balls a minute, and uh, it should be more like you're actually on the golf course when you're playing, and it takes a lot more time after you've hit your shot, and then you have to wait for all your friends to play. So I, I love two mm-hmm. balls a minute. is kind of like my little program. Uh, and I would just copy what Pete just said. All that is excellent. Uh, short game, short game, short game. Uh, for me, I can be found at uh, jameskylegolfacademy.com, and I teach full-time at East Lake Woodlands Country Club, which is located in Oldsmar, Florida, and uh, a little bit online here and there, but all of that information can be found on my website. And other than that, uh, Pete and Ted, I really thank you all uh, you know, for having me on. This was great. I appreciate it, guys. As always, uh, fantastic yeah. job, and always thoroughly enjoy our conversations. And and you know, hopefully, people will take away a little nugget here and there. And and uh, as I said, go back and listen to the uh, the program again. And uh, there's always some good information. And and any other programs that you might have missed, you can go and visit that link, uh, blogtalkradio.com forward slash golf talk live, and go down to the on demand section and listen to all of the previously aired shows, including tonight in, in its entirety. But guys, thank you as always. Have a great weekend. And I look forward to you joining me next time uh, on the Coach's Corner panel. Have a great weekend. You too. Thanks, Ted. Thanks, James. Take care. Good night. Thank you. All right. right, That was James Kyle and Pete Buchanan joining me on the Coach's Corner panel. We talked about becoming a good player. We talked about a lot of great things. Um, And uh, hopefully, as I said, you can take away a few uh, nuggets of information. There's a lot to unpack there, but uh, I think we covered most of it. All right. When I come back, uh, I'm going to be speaking with my very special guest, the founder of Golf Forever, uh, Dr. Jeremy James. We'll be right back. The following ad is sponsored by Golf Tips Magazine. Are you tired of being short off the tee? And what about those three putts? Forget about it. It's time you got serious about your game. Golf Tips, the most in-depth magazine in the industry. For over 30 years, Golf Tips has delivered expert content such as the latest golf instruction from America's top pros, Simple to follow practice and game improvement drills, fitness and mental game tips, equipment, training aids, accessory and apparel reviews, golf destinations and travel tips for every budget, and so much more. Don't miss a single issue. Go to golftipsmag.com and subscribe today. 
All right, welcome back, and very excited to be joined by this evening's guest. Uh, again, um, we're going to get into a very interesting discussion uh, about um, his business, uh, Golf Forever. We'll tell you a little bit about that here in just a moment, but let me introduce him. Uh, my very special guest this evening is Dr. Jeremy James. He is a doctor of chiropractic and also a certified strength and conditioning specialist, as well as the founder of Golf Forever. Uh, he spent uh, a decade or so helping golfers, professional and Olympic athletes, Fortune 500 CEOs, and men and women from all walks of life to overcome pain and to get back to the sports and activities and daily life that they love. Uh, he's also the uh, co-author of uh, the best-selling uh, Younger Next Year uh, Back Book and the former director of the Aspen Club Back Institute. Um, Golf Forever is the digital manifestation of his and his expert team's proven methods to help golfers of all ages and abilities play without limits uh, for as long as they live. Uh, and now uh, he's teamed up with two experts in golf and sports performance, uh, uh, of course, PJ uh, player Justin Leonard and Bill uh, Fabrosini. Uh, they've uh, joined him as part of the team as well, and we'll talk about some other things, but please welcome my very special guest, Dr. Jeremy James. Good evening, Jeremy. How are hey, you? I'm doing well, Ted. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you very much for uh, taking time out of your day and, and, uh, and early evening and spending it with me here on Golf Talk Live. And uh, we got a lot to talk about, as I said, but I think we'll, uh, I think we'll, uh, we'll get through everything just well in, in the next uh, little bit. First off, let me just ask, and I, I do this with most new guests that have been on here, maybe just give us a little bit more about your background um, what you sort of specialize in, and just tell us a little bit about your own golf experience. Sure, and is the audio okay, Ted? Yep, perfect. Okay, great. Well, I got, I got into this business, uh, as you mentioned in the intro there, I had a clinic uh, in Aspen, Colorado for over a decade, and we were really seen as the clinic of last resort for people struggling with chronic joint pain, uh, and most of them were chronic low back pain, chronic meaning they've had it for a very long time, they've tried various other things, drugs, surgery, etc., uh, without success, and they would come out to our clinic and stay with us for anywhere from a couple of weeks to a couple of months and work with my staff and I. And we got very good at uh, addressing chronic pain, and a large subset of those people were golfers. And so, you know, mm -hmm. early in my career, I had to I had to become extremely familiar with the mechanics of the swing, what the swing does to the human body, and how you can uh, be proactive in, in preventing the breakdown in the joints and tissues that cause pain and, and how to relieve it. And so, you know, as you can imagine, golf is a, is a, does very predictable things to the body. It's a repetitive, asymmetrical motion. You know, you're doing it over and over and over, and there's – there's some things that everybody needs to be doing uh, to keep their bodies fit and healthy to be able to do that. And last thing I'll say here is that what we noticed early on with our, with our subset of golfers was that the same strategies and techniques we were using uh, to get them over pain would dramatically improve their games because, you know, we're working on hip mobility, we're working on core strength, we're working on um, shoulder and thoracic mobility and just all those things that are crucial to relieving back pain are also critical to improving your game. Yeah, and, and you touch on a great point. We're, we're going to get into that here in just a moment. But, you know, uh, mobility and flexibility uh, for a golfer, if you don't have that, um, is a killer. 
because it, if you don't have the because you obviously have to have that mobility and you especially have to have flexibility uh, to be able to generate club head speed to get the ball out there to to be able to uh, enjoy this game and if you're you know your muscles uh, are, are tense all the time or they're not uh, uh, you know, you don't have a lot of mobility in your body, then obviously it's going to restrict your golf swing and all kinds of, you know, problems can arise from that. So we're going to talk about that. But before we do that, I want to, just so that everybody has a clear understanding, um, and we'll talk about specifically how and why you started it. You've, you've touched on a little bit. Uh, but explain what Golf Forever is, I- exactly what it is uh, and what the, the business model is, if you will. Sure. So... Golf Forever is both a it, it's a it's a it's a golf trading system and it consists of streaming content delivered uh, to the user via an application that you can stream on your phone or or television and it couples with a piece of hardware you know a piece of training equipment mm-hmm. that you can use in your home attached to anything and basically as you mentioned in your intro when we started this I set out to replicate as close as possible what we were doing in our clinic and so on that note when you start with golf forever you take a self-assessment and it's a combination of of questions and actually putting you through some movements and exercises and asking for your feedback on those and we take all that information um, and our algorithm creates a customized golf fitness and training program unique to your to your body's needs and whether that's whether you've come to relieve pain or you've come to increase your club head speed work on core strength you know you name it the the assessment is going to tease that out and it's going to give you a program just for you that that is safe very importantly we're we're addressing any kind of deficiencies you may have that are identified in that assessment right off the bat and then every day you're given a, a new routine or workout that is progressive over time that slowly and safely builds uh, to get you to where you you know you're you're working with the highest level that your body can produce as far as strength output uh, all done safely so hope that makes sense the the device mm-hmm. we call the golf forever swing trainer it's a it's a, it's a asymmetrical bar basically uh, training system it's a cord with a bar you attach it anywhere in your home and you follow along with the workouts and it reproduces a lot of the forces that you have in the golf swing and, and builds strength in a way that is, you know, that directly correlates to the swing. Yeah, and, and that's important because, you know, there's a lot of uh, training aids on the market that try to emulate a lot of that, but they don't actually do what, what uh, your product does. And I want to go back to the assessments for just a second because I think this is a really important um, you know, I think more golfers now because they've seen what the pros have done. They've, they've, you know, watched professional golfers, and they know that they have certainly access to things that the average golfer doesn't have, personal trainers and things like that. But having a, a, an assessment like this is important, as you just pointed out. How often should we be doing that? Is this something that it should be annual? As you know, for instance, we're in the Northeast and Northwest, where you know the the winter is starting to, to fizzle out, and we're getting into some good weather now for those that live up there. Um, they're coming out to the golf course. Uh, is this something that they should be doing every season uh, at the beginning of the season to get a new assessment, say where we're at physically, to see what adjustments or, or tweaks might need to, to do, and then obviously again catering the, the program that Golf Forever. Uh, provides uh, accordingly um, 
Is that something that, would you agree with that, that it's something that we should be doing on a regular basis once a season or maybe even a couple of times a season? What, what are your thoughts here? That, that's a great question, you know, really intuitive. So we have a reassessment function built into the program, and we're currently working on building it out to be far more granular. But basically what happens is you go through, we have various levels when you start your program, and the workouts are rated front tees, middle tees, back tees. And depending on why you joined, uh, like, for instance, let's say you joined for back pain, um, Mm -hmm. you're going to move, you're going to be triggered to give us feedback of when you're ready to move out of a more pain-focused protocol into one that's more focused on power and endurance. If you joined, for example, for to increase your distance and club head speed, and your assessment showed us that it's you, you, you perform very well already, then you're going to right off the bat be getting more challenging content. But again, to your point, is again a great question. You are being reassessed uh, at different intervals, per, depending upon your reason for joining. So. In essence, um, if you're using our program, it takes care of it automatically. If you're talking about the general public uh, who may be working sure. with a trainer or something like that, the train a, a great trainer uh, should be reassessing you every workout. You know, they may not be telling mm-hmm. you, but they should be constantly looking right. for er- areas that you struggled in, areas that you're improving upon, and that needs to be a very uh, fluid kind of progressive process, which is what we've tried to build into the application. Yeah, and certainly uh, I think going through um, your process I think is a good way because it, it is giving that sort of automatic reassessment. I think too, um, and, and I want to get your thoughts on this, uh, Jeremy, is even if you're not a player, for those listening uh, that necessarily is struggling with a, a back issue or some other physical issue, uh, maybe you're in pretty good shape and maybe you're you're already hitting the ball a long way. This is a program that actually – can, and I know we're going to get into this a little bit more, but is also a great maintenance program as well for those that maybe are a little better skilled or, or um, uh, maybe in better shape, a little younger is what I'm trying to politely say. Maybe you're a little younger mm-hmm. and, uh, and uh, don't have, suffer from some of the back problems that some of us older guys do. But um, this can also be a great program to keep uh, everything flowing properly as, as part of a maintenance program as well. Would that be accurate? It's accurate and then some. I don't know if you know, but you know, Scotty Scheffler just became our brand ambassador, and he did that because he has been working with one of our Golf Forever instructors, uh, Dr. Troy Van Beesen, his entire career, and he started working with our swing trainer back in November, and gives credit, you know, in large part uh, with other things he's been doing to his improvement this season. So it's not just maintenance for those kind of players. You know, Scotty Scheffler and others literally credit this with taking their game to another level, there's always, almost always room for an athlete to improve. My my team and I have worked with countless uh, pro athletes, and it's it's pretty surprising, you know, um, those type A type people, which Mm. whether we're talking about athletes or or my clients that I used to get in the clinic, they want to get in there and they want to do what? They want to throw around the heaviest weight they can, in the fastest way possible. And often, you know, they do that at expense to their body, and they're not learning what we call in the program the fundamentals of movement, of joint health, uh, because joint health and the ability to generate power 
are closely tied together. They're very, you know, right. if you can't stabilize your body and, and stack your joints in good posture, you're not going to be able to produce maximum force. So, yeah, it's maintenance. But even more than that, it's, it's, it should be for the vast, vast majority of people out there. Uh, it's going to give them significant improvement in their game. Right. And just on a side note, I think a lot of your, your former clients uh, throwing that heavy weight around actually uh, kept the clinic uh, that much busier for you. So I mean, it's, it was good for you, maybe not so much, much for them in the long run. But uh, no, um, just kidding here, of course. Um, but you're, you're, you're exactly right. right. And Scotty, just, yeah, uh, Scotty Scheffler, uh, just for those that uh, aren't in, in tune, uh, won this year's Masters Tournament. So obviously that's a, a great feather to have in your cap. Obviously he uh, has uh, some great skill set, but the, the fact that he's um, you know, giving you guys credit for really helping to step his game up, uh, obviously it, it showed when he played in the Masters this year. Um, you also have another player who's uh, most uh, the listeners will know him as well, and that's Justin Leonard. I mentioned him in the, uh, uh, in the opening uh, credits in that. Um, when and how did Justin get involved? So Justin's just been wonderful to work with, like I said, off the bat. Um, when this was just an idea, uh, Justin and I both live in the same very small community, the Roaring Fork Valley, Aspen, Colorado. And so you kind of know it's a small town. People tend to know each other. Knew of Justin. He knew of me. We were kind of casual, you know, uh, acquaintance around town. But many of my uh, former patients and clients who – I was I was bringing on as investors when this was just an idea, uh, you know, knew Justin well, and they introduced us, and they said, you know, you guys need to need to get to know each other because I think there could be, you know, something that could work here. And the more he and I talked, and we found out that we shared a lot of the same philosophy about health and fitness mm-hmm. and the approach to uh, keeping a golfer healthy, it, it just made absolute sense so you know i can't thank justin enough for just really getting on board with us when it was just an idea you know putting his name on it when he had faith in the in the and what we were going to do because he knew the success stories around our community and uh mm-hmm. he really taught me about you know the rigors of being on the tour and uh what it does to your body and it, it gave me a lot of perspective you know from that angle which i, I didn't have i, I was you know, primarily working with the everyday golfer, the amateur golfer, <clears throat> and, you know, to hear from him what it's like to play at that level and what it does to your body was was, was very helpful. Well, and, and as you mentioned, you're putting together, it's not just a, a physical product that you're offering, but there's actually a program uh, that they're working through. So that information is valuable to you when putting this whole thing together um, because you're getting it right from the proverbial uh, horse's mouth of what the uh, circumstances that these guys are and, and and the gals too on the LPJ that they're dealing yeah. with day in day out some of the the, right. the problems that they're being faced with and and so forth so as you're you know putting the various protocols together um, you're able to gather from their experience uh, because as I understand I mean you're not a, a professional golfer I mean certainly I know you play golf and that but so it's great that you were able to, to tap into some of that knowledge to help uh, you know, put through uh, what you needed to put through. I want to ask you an interesting question because you mentioned you know, about throwing some, some heavier weight around in that. And this is something that I think a lot of, uh, uh, you know, and I, it's more I'm going to throw men under the bus here because I think women are a lot smarter <laughs> than we are. Um, but um, 
and you know you know I'm right. So uh, I know you're right. But golf has some very unique golf specific exercises um, that are going to be conducive to making uh, you a better player. Um, and there's obviously what we call the more traditional. I mean, I certainly go to the gym and I work out. Um, but being a golf professional myself, I know that you know lifting a bunch of big dumbbells around is is uh, not going to really be good for me if I want to be a better player. So talk about that a little bit because there is a difference. And why is there a difference? And why is it important that if you're trying to improve your golf game, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with going out and doing a good workout, but if you're going to be or want to become a better player, there are certain specific exercises that are better for you than what we traditionally might be used to. Maybe you could walk us through a little bit of that. Well, that, that is such a, a great setup, and I, I can tell that you really have done a lot of you, – you know a lot about this topic, so so thank you for these great mm. questions. And you're, you're right you're to welcome. pick on the men because – thank you. You're right to pick on the men because it's absolutely true, uh, whether we're talking about my days in the clinic or the golfers that we're talking about now. You know, I'd say most people, uh, most golfers that go to the gym and do a workout, they do one that's incredibly inefficient, uh, usually – risky and dangerous, and, you know, just largely a waste of time. Um, Golf is about balance. It's about coordination. It's about being able to produce rotational force. uh, And those things take – you have to work out in a specific way. And so let's take the example. I think you mentioned like a bench press. So think about a bench press. Mm -hmm. You're lying on on your back and you're – pressing a lot of weight, you know, from a lying down position straight over your head. Like, just break that down. Mm-hmm. Number one, you're lying on your back, something you're never going to do in golf. It's, all, it's, it's usually best, unless you're rehabilitating something, to train in positions similar to what you're training for, right? So right. Mm-hmm. A, an example of how we would do that differently in our program is, you know, with the swing trainer, it's a bar, you're standing and gripping it. It only has a cord on one side, so it's always pulling you to the opposite side. You're pressing, so on the bench press, you're working your shoulders and your pecs, and that's pretty much it. When you're standing doing mm-hmm. that with, with something that's uh, asymmetrical, A, you're working your core to stabilize you because you don't have that bench to lean against. You're working your balance because that cord's trying to pull you off balance. And then most importantly for golf, since we have the cord on one side, and I don't know if you can visualize that, but basically yep. you're holding a bar, and there, yeah, there's a resistance on one end. Even if you're doing something as simple as a press, you're still working rotational strength. That thing's trying to pull you, say the cord's on the right, and you're pushing. It's trying to pull you to the right. You're using your core to resist rotational force. So it takes mm-hmm. something as simple as a press, and you're doing balance, you're doing coordination, you're doing core strength, and importantly, you're doing rotational power, and you're doing it safely because your body, your body's ability to maintain perfect posture when you're doing that is your limiting factor, whereas when you're lying on a bench, you can load that thing up. with. You're not going to know until you start if that's a, if that's a, a level of weight that's going to injure your rotator cuff or your, you know, right. the shoulder joint, whereas your body breaks down when you're doing exercises like we present them, and you know that's too much. I hope that makes sense. It's a little technical, but ho- hope I answered your question there. 
No, that makes perfect sense. And and again, you know, obviously it will direct everybody to the website uh you know as we as we finish up a little bit later, but um obviously we don't have the the option of a visual here, but they'll be able to go and I know you've got some great videos on there that that sort of walk them through uh what what we're talking about here tonight, but I want to just break it down and give them a little bit of an idea and and you know the, the reason why you know I say this for men is because men typically um, are more, and we see this even on the tour level, it's more about power, it's more about getting you know, mm-hmm. longer off the tee and, and that sort of thing. And, and there's nothing wrong with that, um, where you know, as women tend to be more, certainly they want to get distance and, and uh, increase the power and so forth too, but they're more focused on um, the finesse part of the game, the short game and things like mm-hmm. that. Um, and so you know, they're not looking to bulk up. And you know, I, I, I'm sure you could probably attest this, you know, because I know on the lesson tee with, with the women, um, you know, when I ask them about, I mean, I don't do a full assessment what you do, but I'll ask them about certain things before I, I get into instruction. I'll ask them, you know, what pain they have, and 90% of them say, to me, well, it's my husband and he's sitting in the car. But, you know, he, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'd, start, I'd throw a little humor in there. Um, but, you know, that's, that's true that they're they're looking for something different. So uh, again, you you have to be able to, as you pointed out earlier, um, is you have to find what works for you because we're all different, and you have different protocols through your training program that is applicable for different situations because not everybody's going to be the same. As I mentioned earlier, not everybody's maybe having a back issue or maybe not everybody's looking to, to increase distance. Maybe they're, they're hitting it far enough now, but, but there's other issues. So the fact that the assessment is going to guide them in the right place uh, and then the program that you have there is going to help walk them through whatever the situation may be and help them improve that area I think is very, very important as, as golfers that we want to get, to get better. So um, when, in, and when did you know you were really right on the, on the, the right track, if you will, um, with this program? I mean, obviously, you've been a chiropractor. You've done that for, for a number of years. You've seen a lot of things. But when did the, the sort of the switch go on for you and you say, okay, you know what? I think we're on the right track here. I think we can help a lot of golfers. What was that sort of defining moment for you? Uh, again, another great question. So just to go back a bit in the history for some context here, the first program we launched was called Back Forever, and it was a general uh, back pain relief program for the public. And, you know, I thought at the time <clears throat> I was trying to, much like I'm doing with Golf Forever, get, get this information out to everybody at an affordable price that was suffering with back pain. And what we saw, <laughs> which was funny, same thing we saw in our clinic, you know, part of the back forever assessment was asking people what sports or activities they wanted to get back to that that pain had stopped them from doing. And the number one, as you can guess, it was golf. And we also saw that the golfers on that platform were the most highly engaged and were the ones that were sticking around for a very long time. So we knew we had something right then. And we that's around the time that Justin and I started talking, and we launched a very, very basic version of Golf Forever shortly thereafter, and, and sure enough, I mean, we saw immediately that, that people were using it regularly, uh, far more regularly, you know, four or five times a week instead of one or two, and that they were renewing month after month, and 
I mean, it was pretty obvious, uh, you know, right off the bat as soon as we got that up. And at that point, we decided to go all in, and, and we haven't looked back since. That was about two years ago when we launched the real, what I like to call the real version of the application about a year and a half ago now, um, which, which contained the interactive assessment and the, and the customized programs. If you, don't want to, if you don't mind, I wanted to address what you said before that, though, because I think it's so important. Um, we talk about picking on men again and saying, you know, they want to throw around heavy weights. You can do that, and you do. You will get to that in the golf program if that's why you're there. If you want to get to a very, very high level of, of athleticism where you're doing very complicated moves with heavy resistance, you're going to get there. The difference is you're going to get there in a safe way that makes you perform much better. And the, the last thing mm-hmm. I say, a little anecdote here, is my colleague, who's, who's one of the golf forever instructors, Bill Fabricini, I remember he worked with a very famous, uh, at the time, a very famous NBA center. And the NBA center had come to him for knee pain. And, you know, mm-hmm. very, very tall guy, you know, just had been powering through because of his brute strength and size his whole career. We watched film of him, watched him moving in the clinic, and his knees were just collapsing in every time he, he came off a rebound. And that's why he was having knee pain, and he just had a terrible, terrible what we would call squat pattern. He was absolutely not using the muscles in his buttocks, and he had gotten by, and he was about 31 or 32 at the time. He had gotten by to that point in his career by just powering through it with brute strength, but his body was just starting to break down, and he was starting Mm -hmm. to have knee pain because nobody had ever taught him the proper way to do something as simple as a squat where he's engaging the muscles in his buttocks, which takes loads off your knees, and just teaching him that, Bill taught him that, made his knee pain go away, obviously, but it also gave him more vertical height on his jump. So I just want to make right. that clear. I think it's a, a criti- critical point. No, I, I couldn't agree more. And, and you're right. It, again, you know, as people go through whatever their assessment is here, that's going to dictate really where they're going to need the help. And, yeah, it might be – um, more power. It might be, um, you know, uh, to help with with some of the the uh, injuries or pain that, that they're dealing with, and that's why I'm saying it. But you know, I, obviously, I was just joking earlier about the uh, the men and the women. But the the truth of the matter is, men tend to focus on uh, a, a different area of the game, I think, than most women do, and that's why I sort of threw that yep. in there. Now, obviously, there were some challenges um, in part in developing golf forever. What were some of the uh, uh, challenges uh, in, in first putting this together? <laughs> uh, there, there were many. <laughs> you know, I reread and see the movies about startups, and it, it, it's a cliche, but it, it's so true. I mean, it's breaking into golf, you know, even even with the help of Justin Leonard, was it, took, it just takes time, and we're trying to, you know, almost start like kind of a, a, a new industry. It's probably not the right word, but, you know, something new. Uh, and we were right on time in the fact that, you know, this year, last year, or the past few years, golfers are, are, are really embracing golf fitness. But still, right. you know, we were trying to uh, – so to answer, answer your question in a short way, it was the marketing and the selling of it. Developing the product right. and making it effective was the easy part trying to explain uh, to, our, to our would-be customers 
what this was and how it worked and why you should do it was, was the hard part. We finally, I think, you know, gotten that down. It's always a work in progress, but I think we're doing well now. But that by far was the hardest part. And just trying to succinctly uh, explain to someone in something like an ad uh, is, was very challenging. This format is amazing because, you know, you're asking great questions and we have time to talk. But if you're talking, you know, a 15-second ad or a, a visual, a static ad with a with a picture, it, it, that was that was by far the most challenging part. Yeah, it's difficult to. You're right. It's difficult to convey that message in a short, even even in a in a 30-second uh, video or even a minute-long video. It's very difficult. And the problem is in today's society is everybody's looking for instant gratification. So if you've got mm-hmm. a long video. Uh, it gets to a point where you know people are. I don't care how well produced it is. If if it's over a certain period of time, uh, people will start to tune out. And this is an area. I mean, I, I can speak as a golf instructor. I can tell you right now, one of the big problems that we have is getting people to commit to what we're having them do. So they'll come to us for a lesson and they'll say, okay, I want to hit the ball further. I want to be more accurate off the tee, and we'll give them drills and things that are going to be conducive to to accomplishing that. And then they, you know, they walk away. They'll do it while they're there with you. But then, you know, before they come for the next lesson, they haven't gone to the, the practice tee or they haven't gone to the range to work on any of these things. So, uh, you know, mm-hmm. because it's it, it's it's not that they they don't want to improve, but there's an inherent laziness um, in people. Now, A-type personalities you mentioned earlier, you know, they're out there, go 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 go. They they know what it takes to be at the highest level, but for the average folks out there, it, it's challenging because you've got to be able to convey that message that this is going to be good for for you. And, you know, they hear, you know, they're getting marketed to a thousand different ways from different people outside of this industry. Um, so they've heard it, you know, it all before. So you're right. It's a very, very challenging. And I could see where that would be uh, challenging. But once you kind of get them involved and they get out there and they start seeing the benefits, then you can pretty much throw the marketing aside because just by testimonial and word of mouth, they're going to say, hey, this this thing actually works and I'm really seeing some benefits. So that's where the fun comes in because now all of your hard labor has sort of come together and, and come to fruition, um, which reminded me, uh, I wanted to ask you is, what's been some of the, the, the feedback? Obviously, you've had some great feedback from uh, from some of the golfers that you've heard. Well, Thank you. And first of all, I want to say I can empathize with what, what you just said. I, I'm sure that is so challenging. And to your point, we end every one of our videos by saying, by reminding people that change comes with commitment. I mean, we are we yep. are drilling that into people's heads. That, that Literally, that's how we end every video. But I also think, you know, anecdotally, that that's probably why initially we had such a good start because pain – is a powerful motivator, and we had that as our first kind of user group uh, for Golf Forever. It's 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 morphed now to where you know pain relief is is not the majority of people that join. But we we started with that, and you have mm-hmm. somebody in serious pain, you've got their attention. So that that helped us in that regard, I think. So um, I, I just I can really really empathize with you on that one and uh, be happy to offline on how, how to help motivate people because that's, that's, that's probably number two <laughs> of, of the issues we've had to, you know, attack and, and, and work on. Well, so, you I'm know, sorry, everybody, what was the question? Yeah, so, no, just some of the feedback that you've had from, from some of the, the golfers yeah. that have used Golf Forever. What, uh, obviously, you've, I'm sure, had some great feedback from it. 
uh, from those that have actually uh, gone out and tried it and, and worked through some of the programming and that. What's been some of the feedback? So we, we do get a lot of feedback. We do a lot of surveys. Um, and I, I, two of the stats that I'm, I'm very proud of are, are this. Um, we have a, an 80, I think it's the last time I looked, 85 or 86 percent free trial conversion rate. So 86 percent of the people that start the free trial convert to a paid customer. And then to mm-hmm. me, this is the biggest one is that we have, we have two subscriptions. One is a monthly uh, where you pay per month, and one is a yearly where you pay up front for a year and you get a discount. Sure. Our yearly reconversion rate, so people that have done a year and sign up for a second mm-hmm. year, is just under, I think it's last time I looked, is 71%. I was going to say under 75, that's, but that's That's great. Lot. So yeah, you know, the that's feedback very good. that we hear, thank you. The feedback that we hear very consistently is that you know, it's increased my distance. I'm more consistent. Importantly, uh, I'm more. I'm able to play more rounds without needing as much downtime. I'm able to perform at a higher level on 18 holes instead of nine or back-to-back days. And then on the non-golf side, you know, we hear a lot of this has really in- improved my flexibility, which I'd like to touch on the difference between flexibility and mobility, but this has really improved mm-hmm. my flexibility. I, mo- I move better. I feel great out of bed. I just, I just feel stronger, younger, you know, more fluid, more athletic. That, those are consistent things we hear across the board. Yeah, and, and, you know, that's one of the things that's very unique about this, you know, as I said, there's a lot of different things that, that people are, are being introduced to. And I think it's important that this is hitting all levels of golfers. It's not just, you know, uh, players like Scotty Scheffler and, and, um, and Justin Leonard that are using these um, and getting benefits. Obviously, they, they're reaping benefits at a, at a high level. But this is something that even, you know, our high handicap golfers out there can benefit from. And that's what they're looking for. They're all looking for, I, I don't like using the word edge um, uh, or mm-hmm. even advantage but um, because they're, they're kind of cliche. But the truth of the matter is if you want to, you know, uh, just to go back to the instructional side, you know, we always get somebody comes up and says, well, you know, I was watching so-and-so on the, on the tour the other day and I'd really like to have a swing like theirs. And to go to your point is about commitment. Well, yeah, I can give you a swing similar. I can't give it exact because you're a different size, shape or whatever but I can give you a similar swing, but it's how much are you willing to commit? And mm-hmm. that's been a big problem in instruction is getting people to, to commit. They want to be, you know, be able to uh, score, you know, break 90 or, where, or 80 or whatever the case is, or shoot par, um, but are they willing to put the level of commitment in? And one of the big factors that deters, especially some of the older golfers out there, is pain level. If they're experiencing mm-hmm. pain or discomfort, they're less likely, uh, they may still go out and play nine holes or whatever, but they're less likely to engage uh, in practice routines or things like that mm-hmm. because it's uncomfortable for them. So this is something, as, as you've expressed already, that's really helping them to overcome some of that in a safe way. Um, what has been some of the common pains that you've, been identified from some of the Golf Forever users? What have been some of the pains? Obviously, lower back is a common one, but what are some of the other things that have 
sort of come out uh, through your studies and, and feedback? So in, in a descending order, lower back number one by a very wide margin, I, I think, you know, by like 60% sure. of, if you're looking at 100% total, followed by uh, neck and shoulder. We group those together because there's a lot of similar underlying causes there. Followed by knee, I'm sorry, followed by elbow, golfer's elbow, then knee, mm-hmm. uh, and and then I think the last one that we have is, is foot ankle, but it's it's so minimal we, we barely even register it. But I mean the big ones are <laughs> low back and then shoulder slash neck. Yeah, it, and uh, and you know, obviously hip is is another area too that that people um, have issues with as well. So it is, and I is apologize. There, you know, we, 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 yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, golfer's sorry, hip. That's another one. We, we, yeah, we lump that in with, with low back pain because the underlying causes right. are similar there as well. So apologies, I, I should have pointed that out. Yeah, no problem, no problem. Uh, so if somebody's going through the Golf Forever system, uh, and again, maybe uh, they've done it now for you know a couple of years and it's becoming more uh, sort of a, some kind of a, a maintenance program uh, that they can migrate to. We talked about that a little bit earlier. Um, so they've they've accomplished some of the things. Maybe now they're um, they've become more pain free as a result of working through the programs, and now it's just a matter of ingraining good habits and good training, if you will, uh, through that. This is something that they can easily transition or migrate to. Am I correct? And, and if so, maybe you can walk us through a little bit of that. Yeah, absolutely. So we can talk about different demographics in different ways. If you have mm-hmm. juniors, their bodies are continuing to grow and change in different ways with the growth plates, et cetera. So there's always work to be done in a progressive manner up into the mid-20s. If we're talking about somebody over 40, as you age, you're fighting against a tide. So right. the idea of kind of plateauing or maintenance it, it isn't really an accurate description if we're talking about that user group because – a person's body in their 50s is very different from their 40s and 60s is different from 50s, etc. And so there's always different things you need to be focusing on. For example, we talked about balance earlier. If we're talking about somebody in their <clears throat> 60s, balance naturally declines as you age if, importantly, if you don't uh, challenge it and train it. If you do challenge it and train it, it can actually improve. You can have the best balance of your life. That's a true statement. It sounds extraordinary, but it's, it's true. It's backed by studies. So it's one example of how the way that we've designed this program where one day you may be working on balance, one day it might be agility, one day it might be a coordination, one day it's rotational power, one day it's upper body strength, one day it's lower. We're constantly progressing and challenging you. If we're talking about somebody in the 20 to 30 demographic, <clears throat> it's similar. It's not exactly the same, but we're going to be increasing load more often than we're going to be increasing the variety of, of the goal of each workout. We're going to be increasing resistance. We're going to up the tempo, things like that. So, you know, we've been in this a couple of years now. We, we don't feel like we're anywhere close to maxing out on these progressive pro- programs. We, we, we actually have over two years worth of, if you, if you did a workout every day for two years in, in these cohorts, mm-hmm. You have, a, you have a different progress, not a different, but you're getting many, many, many different workouts that progress over time for that two-year period. So 
there's always something to work upon uh, to work on and again if you're over 40 if you're not working on it you're probably losing it you're going to be losing muscle mass you're going to be losing right. uh, your balance, your coordination. So it's it's you got to be vigilant. Uh, you got to work at it. And there's always something you could be doing. And I think the important thing to note is cardiovascular exercise, which a lot of golfers and the general public do a lot of. That will do a lot for your body. It will, for example, prevent diabetes. It will <clears throat> stave off various cancers, heart disease. But what it won't mm-hmm. do uh, is give you a strong, pain-free, injury-free body. A phrase, I didn't coin this, but I like it a lot, is cardiovascular exercise can give you a long life, but strength and resistance training will make that long life worth living because you'll feel good, you'll be highly functional, you'll be active, you won't be injured, and you'll be pain-free. And you'll be good at golf. Right. And, and that's, yeah, and that's, that's ultimately what they're looking for is they want to have a better quality life all the way around. Now, you know, I mentioned earlier about, you know, going to the gym and things like that and and doing some of the traditional work. Is this uh, the Golf Forever regime, and I'm going to talk to you about the timing uh, as well, but um, is this something that if somebody is already, you know, belongs to a gym, say, well, hey, I've got a gym membership, I'm working out, is this something they can incorporate into? And I don't necessarily mean they have to take it to the gym, but as part of their weekly fitness routine, can they incorporate the uh, golf rather uh, golf forever training program, if you will, um, into uh, an existing uh, program that they may have a training program. Is that a, not a good idea, or should they keep it separate? One hundred percent. Like, I'm glad you brought this up. The idea of golf forever is that you're working uh, with the same trainer that Scotty Scheffler does, and you are. I mean, you're having the same instructor in mm-hmm. our program. You're also getting the same evaluation. You're also getting a progressive program. So if you're doing, for example, you like your routine, uh, you're concerned about aesthetics. You want to make sure that, you know, you maintain your big biceps or, or a woman right. may be concerned about her ab- abdominal area or, you know, whatever that is. And right. you want to keep doing that. 100%, we've designed the program such that, and I touched on this earlier, um, you log in every day, you click one button, you're presented with that routine for the day. Those routines mm-hmm. are staggered so that if you do it every day, six days a week, or if you do it two days a week, say a Monday and a Friday, it's going to be safe and effective because you're not going to be doubling up. So it's, it's right. laid out that you're working on a different goal. So to answer your question, yes. If you love kind okay. of your strength training routine that gives you the guns to the beach <laughs> you can keep doing that right and this is this is a very different thing well the reason yeah and, and i know that i i i wanted to ask you that because you know especially here we are coming into the summer you know january rolled around everybody's got their new year's resolution hey i'm going to join a gym and get out and work out and they're thinking okay i'm paying for this membership Do I, does that mean i've got to stop my membership and and jump into this but this is specific this is specific training um, that's obviously more geared for the golfer in mind. It's not, not saying that others that don't play golf can't benefit from this uh, particular training, but this is obviously wrapped around uh, those that want to increase their golf life and, and obviously their overall life as well. So that's why I wanted to ask you that, if that's something that they could do in conjunction uh, with a, a regular 
fitness routine, whether it might be walking uh, on trails or biking or, or whatever the case is. So this is something that can work sort of part and parcel and, and not really be uh, necessarily in conflict. The other thing is, obviously, this is a question is, okay, well, how much time do I, in order for it to be effective, do I need to commit to uh, the golf uh, forever routines? What, what's, a, what's sort of the norm typically and what's, to get the best benefit, what, what I need to commit to this? Because this is a question I guarantee people will ask. Absolutely, and the key word in your question there was, was effective. So the bare minimum, uh, if you want to see improvements in your game, improvements in your body that are noticeable, you need to do it two times a week. And, and two times a week means uh, our each day's workout is divided into two parts, a warm-up and a strength portion, and each of those are anywhere from 15 to 20 minutes each. So we're talking anywhere from 35 to 45 minutes twice a week. That's the bare minimum to see significant, noticeable improvement. If you really want to get the maximum benefit out of it, we're talking three to four times a week at those same uh, time frames per workout. Yeah, and it's like like I said earlier, the same thing with, with um, you know, instruction. You know, if you want to see uh, benefits, then you've got to put some effort into it. And, um, you know, you can't just buy it and, and look at it and hopefully through osmosis that, you know, you're going to get the benefits <laughs> from it. You have to actually – and, you know, listen, you know as well as I, I can guarantee you had many clients come into your, your clinic that, you know, bought the latest uh, fitness craze and it's been collecting dust in their garage or, uh, mm-hmm. you know, down in the basement if they had one. So, uh, you know, we know how this works. And, and, and you know – People always say, well, you know, I wish I could be, you know, more like the pros. What do they do? Well, this is what they're doing. They've been that's doing right. this for, for uh, you know, obviously you've developed a program that's, that, uh, you know, it's become a little bit more advanced. But, but you know, in the days of players like Nicholas and Palmer, they weren't doing this stuff. I mean, they were great golfers now, but for different reasons. But the younger generation that's coming up now particularly recognizes and we can thank you know players like tiger as an example because he Mm -hmm. came out and he did a lot of these different strength training and and so forth and i mean he was you know let's be honest he was kicking butt for many years out in the on the pga tour um and if it hadn't been for you know some uh, more serious injuries that were really beyond his control um you know he'd probably still be doing it um so you know people are recognizing that and even older golfers now are looking for ways to increase speed. And, you know, instead of, uh, and I'm saying this, I'm uh, speaking to the audience now, not, not to you, uh, Jeremy, and that is rather than spending that $400 on a driver to gain those extra, you know, 15 or 20 yards, why not invest a little bit of money, which I guarantee is not anywhere near as much, um, and, and get yourself uh, not only the equipment but hop on board the Golf Forever train, if you will, and work through the program, and you're going to gain that distance, I guarantee it. I'm very familiar with, with your program. Uh, I, I Trust me, I did my research before you came on tonight, and I know that you know a lot of, a lot of players out there think that they can buy their game um, you know, with, with equipment, and that's just not the case. So... Before we give everybody, because we get ready uh, to sort of wrap things up here, what is going to be the future goals that you have in mind for Golf Forever? What is, what's down the road coming up that you can share with us? And maybe there might be a few things you can't share quite yet, but 
um, that's okay. What what can you share with us that's uh, that you're working on that uh, uh, we're going to see coming coming down the road? Thank you, and I think that was well said, uh, really well said. And uh, you you obviously get it. And to the point of spending four hundred dollars on a on a driver or committing to this, which is less expensive, yes, you are going to get that distance. And in addition to that, just if it's not golf forever, if it's just taking care of your own health, I don't care if you're 20 or 70, committing to regular exercise is going to improve your golf game. It's also going to improve your life dramatically, your state of mind, your mood, your health. You're going to live longer. You're going to feel better. So I'm on my soapbox here a little bit, but I, I firmly nope, believe that, and, and I've seen it, you know, and so it's just so mm-hmm. important. Even if you're in your 70s, you can live and move and feel like you're in your 40s or 50s. You really can. It sounds outrageous, but I've seen it over and over and over. So I just wanted to say that. It's, it's so important. <clears throat> no, you're uh, well said, up? and uh, you're, you're happy, um, happy to let you jump on the soapbox. I want to bring something out before we, we have to wrap up. Uh, because I know this is important. You guys uh, are having a special Father's Day promotion. Um, do you want to share that with the audience as well? Uh, since we're leading up to Father, we're in the month of Father's Day. So uh, uh, go ahead, and, and if you want, there's a uh, I know a special uh, Father's Day promotion. Um, the floor is yours. That's right. And to address your last question. Um, what's coming up is we're bringing on a lot of the top 50 uh, top 50. Um, Golf Digest trainers onto our platform. We're expanding our amount of content. We're going to be using this data we've collected to get so much more granular on how we assess people, how we provide them content, and it's it's really going to be remarkable. I mean, this is going to be so much closer than I ever dreamed of when we started this to having a Golf Forever trainer, you know, right at your side at the gym. So there's a lot of really exciting stuff coming up as well as us developing new products to go along with the swing trainer to integrate into your home training system. The Father's Day promotion, we're doing uh, free shipping. And when you enter, you get uh, in a contest to win a a, a signed master's flag from Scotty Scheffler. And that's Mm -hmm. going through June 21st. You can purchase it on our website, which is golfforever.com and you use code Dad's Day, that's all caps, all one word, D-A-D-S-D-A-Y, all caps. Mm-hmm. And that'll get you the free shipping on the swing trainer, which is, you know, getting you access. Uh, you'll have instructions after you purchase it to download the app to get all set up. And then you'll be entered to win that signed uh, Masters 2022 flag from Scotty. Very cool. Um yeah, great little uh, extra perk there and some extra incentive to do that. So uh, just quickly to wrap up, now through uh, June 21st, Father's Day shoppers can use promo code DADSDAY, that's uh, capitals again, D-A-D-S-D-A-Y, uh, get free shipping on the purchase of Golf Forever Swing Trainer, uh, which of course includes the 30 days of the Golf Forever app for free, uh, plus get entered into an exclusive drawing to receive. Uh, one winner will receive a free signed master's flag uh, from Scotty Scheffler himself, uh, one of the Golf Forever uh, ambassadors. So uh, go to golfforever.com uh, to get more information, not only on that, but also uh, on the uh, Golf Forever uh, swing trainer and obviously the, the programs involved. Um, great product, and I'm going to say one last thing. Um, 
before we uh, before we close off, and that is um, I think you've got a great uh, great uh, business model, a great product. You've got some good people surrounded by that, and uh, I might even have a few ideas that might uh, help uh, further things along as well. So maybe when you get a chance, you can reach out to um, uh, Kevin and Carl. I know you know who I'm referring to and uh, get yep. them to exchange uh, uh, our communication. I won't do it over the line here, but uh, uh, contact information. There's some things I'd, I'd really love to talk to you about I think you might be interested in. So, um, But, uh, Jeremy, thank you very much for joining me tonight on Golf Talk Live. It's been very interesting. Uh, I know it's been informative for the audience. And, uh, again, if you go to uh, golfforever.com, uh, all the information there, how it works, reviews, uh, the people involved, the trainer itself, some great videos there. You can check it out. Uh, literally thousands of videos in the library. Uh, there's definitely a golf fitness plan for you, and it's an at-home golf training system, so you don't even have to drive anywhere. Um, you can do it right from the comfy uh, uh, part of your home, and uh, lots of great things to, uh, to come about. So go to golfforever.com. Uh, again, Jamie, thank you very much for joining me tonight on Golf Talk Live. Um, you're always welcome to come back. Anytime you've got some updates or things that you want to share, just uh, by all means, feel free to reach out, and uh, we'll get you back on. Hey, Ted, I really enjoyed this. I would love to talk to you next week. I think these these questions were thoughtful, uh, intuitive, and I just I love talking to you. So thanks so much. Really enjoyed it. Not a problem. Not a problem. Uh, much continued success, and we'll, we'll be in touch real soon. And uh, have a great weekend, and uh, keep doing all the great stuff that you're doing. Uh, we love uh, those that can help uh, us hit a little further down the fairway. So thanks, Jeremy, and have a great weekend. You as well, Ted. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. All right. That was uh, my very special guest, Dr. Jeremy James, uh, founder of Golf Forever. Again, you can go to golfforever.com, and there's a special uh, Father's Day uh, promotion going on right now. If uh, you enter promo code Dad's Day, that's all in capital letters, uh, through uh, June 21st. Uh, you can get uh, free shipping, uh, which also includes a free app uh, 30 for 30 days, uh, entry into that, and then also entry into a drawing for um, the signed uh, Masters flag from Scotty Scheffler, the 2022 Masters champion. So definitely well worth it, and uh, it's a great program. I've uh, actually got one and started using it here recently, so um, I, can, I can attest to it. So um, on that note, again, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. A special thanks again to the guys earlier, Pete Buchanan and James Kyle, for joining me on the Coach's Corner panel. And once again, a special thanks to Dr. Jeremy James, uh, from Golf Forever. Thanks, guys, uh, for coming on the program tonight. And thank you, the listeners, for tuning in each and every week. And uh, I will see you next week right here on Golf Talk Live. God bless, everybody. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this week's broadcast of Golf Talk Live. We'd like to thank this week's Coach's Corner panel and a special thank you to tonight's guest. Remember to join Ted every Thursday from 6 to 8 p.m. Central on Golf Talk Live. And be sure to follow Ted on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you're interested in being a guest on Golf Talk Live, send Ted an email at ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network.